You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. All right, don't sit down, don't sit down. Stand up again. Stand up again. Grab your Bible. Grab a Bible. If you have a Bible, grab it. There's some Bibles in the chairs. John 15, if you would. Open up. If you have a phone, there's a great app called Uversion Bible app. I'd really encourage you to grab it. So if we would stand for the reading of the Word of God. John 15. We're going to continue in our worship. The reading of the Word. John 15. We're going to start in verse 9 today. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for I have heard from my Father, and I have made known to you. For all that I have uh, heard from my Father, I have made known from you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may have a seat. So our mission here at FMCC is to love God, love others, and make disciples. And so today we get to hone in on what it means to love others. Last week we had a beautiful service. I don't know if you were here last week. Man, an amazing service of seeing the Lord at work in the lives of three uh, people within our church family being baptized, professing faith. Yeah, we could celebrate that. Um, An amazing time of worship together. And this week we get to talk about what it means to love others and practically live that out. And so what does a good pastor do when he comes into uh, a sermon and a text and sees the word love and loving others a lot? He uh, Googles. What is love, right? That's what we're supposed to do. If we want to know what love is, you Google something. So what is love? And uh, so I did, what is love? How do you know you're in love? And all the things. So for some of you younger, uh, young professionals out there, college students, here's, here's some advice. Um, the first uh, number one article that came up was from Seventeen Magazine. All right, so obviously there's, there's street cred there. <laughs> um, how do you know you're in love is the name of the, the article. I want to preface something. I love my bride. And if you know my wife, you love her too because she is awesome. She is a Proverbs 31 woman, um, and, and she is, is just amazing. Um, but I want to speak to reality here. Can I do that? Can I be real? All right, so here we go. How do you know when you're in love by Seventeen Magazine? Number one, everything feels new and exciting right? When you're in love, you're excited to do things you've already done a million times before because it's with your significant other. Here's the deal. Four kids deep, right? After you've changed about your hundredth diaper, 
There is nothing new and exciting about that, no matter how much love there is in that relationship. Right? You'd be sitting on the couch, and something goes off that's cuddling next to you. Right? You get up, and you walk away, and you let them deal with it. All right? So just, just, to, just to speak to reality, there's no amount of love or affection that makes that exciting. All right, number two, you become more affectionate towards them. When you're in love, you're obviously attracted to your partner. So it's only natural that you would be all over them all of the time. All right, so at one point, we had uh, four kids under six years old. Um, and those four kids, moms, you can attest, were pulling and tugging and hitting and smacking and throwing up and messing up and doing all sorts of things to my wife all day. I'd go and I'd be at work and I would be doing my thing while she was home taking care of the girls and doing that with people pulling and tugging and touching her all day, clinging to her. Then I would come home and I'd walk by her, I'd, I'd say hi to everybody, my girls would run up to me, give me hugs, I'd go over, hug my wife, but then like throughout the, the, the evening time, like I'd walk by my wife and I'd give her a little, you know, smack or something, or a little poke, or a little tickle, thinking that I'm flirting. Here's the deal. My wife is super gracious and super loved. She pulled me aside one day and she's like, I don't like that, right? She was like, I've got people touching me all day, I need you to be gentle with me. So guys, here's a little tip. This is some free advice. Men are like a light switch. And girls, they're like a slow cooker, a crock pot. In the morning when you wake up, you need to prep your food. You need to put it in the crock pot. But don't eat it because it's not ready yet. All right? So you put it in there. You get your seasoning in there. And then you leave it. And you let kind of kind of cook all day. And throughout the day, you should check in on it. Are you getting the analogy? You check in on it. See how it's doing. Maybe stir it a little bit. So that when you come home, maybe dinner will be ready. Okay? So, that's a free tip. Guys are like a light switch. Women are more like a crock pot. All right. Number three, you start feeling a sense of empathy towards your partner. Empathy towards your partner makes you want to make tiny sacrifices for them. Small things that are easy to do when they're for, small things are easy to do when they're for the person you love. 11 p.m. at night, when my wife realizes that the fan isn't on, and she goes, oh, the fan isn't on. I'm like, man, I love you, babe. And I turn over, right? That's just, I'm just being real. That's what I do. So, um, you know, normally a good husband would get up and turn the fan on, but she wants the fan on. I don't. And so I don't get up. Or another one, um, at 6 a.m. when Maya walks in and says, Daddy, it's good morning outside. I lovingly look her in the eyes and say, go tell Mommy. <laughs> All right, so Seventeen Magazine, I think, is a little off when it comes to love. Why? Because we are sinners. We're selfish. I think we're pretty terrible at loving sometimes. Because the world around you and the world around me revolves around us. And not many people else in our life can share that. That's our sin. That's deep-rooted in us. But it's only by the power of God that we can overcome that. And that's what this pastor is talking about. See, Jesus commands his disciples to love one another. His definition of love, John, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. 
And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God. Why? Because God is love. We can't define love, therefore defining God. God is the one who defines love. So in 1 Corinthians 13, when the Bible says love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, that is talking about the personhood of God, his character, his attributes. And so when the power of God is in us, he's the one who defines love. And he models love. John 15, 12, love others as I have loved you. How do we do this? 1 John 3, 16, for by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And the result, John 13, 34, and 35, people will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. So you're arguing with someone you love? First Peter 4, 8, your love will cover a multitude of sins. And Jesus doesn't even stop at people that you actually like and actually that you can tolerate. But then even when it talks about your enemies. Matthew 5, 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus flips what we know about love on its head, completely counteracting everything 17 Magazine and Google have to say about it. Because he defines love so differently, but in a way that is real, and it is for our joy, and for our peace, and for our good. So here's four observations about loving one another from John 15. First one, delight. Loving others starts with loving God. Look at verse John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide, that word, abide. We see 11 times just in these few verses. It says, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Do you ever wonder about how much God is for your joy? As we delight in God, as we enjoy God, as we find pleasure in God, God reveals to us who he is and what it means to live this out for others. That's the beauty of the gospel. He doesn't just tell us to do something, but he does it himself. It's so much easier to listen to somebody that you know has experience. Yeah or nay? Right? So I'm coaching a 9 and 10-year-old soccer right now. Uh, we're killing it. Four-game winning streak. Yeah. Biggest comeback win in YMCA history yesterday. We were down 4-1 to one and we came back. 5-4. to four. Come on. Um, and here's the deal. I know nothing about soccer. Right? And there are sometimes my players look at me and they're like, yeah, that's not in the rules. Right? It's so much easier when, like, you ever get advice from somebody who has a terrible marriage about marriage? Maybe a parent. Um, you ever get advice from somebody about uh, how to handle your finances and you look at their lives and you're like, you don't seem like you have this all together. Why? Because there's no cred. They, they, don't, they haven't lived this out. But, but what God is telling us to do about loving others, he's actually done himself. He has showed us his love by laying down his life for you, for me, even though you didn't deserve it, even though I didn't deserve it. 
And he says, you do this, you love one another so you can find delight in me. We start loving others by understanding what it means to be loved by God and to love God. As we delight in God, it's way easier for that love to overflow out of our lives into the people around us. So, the first observation is delight. Loving others starts with loving God. Second, submission. Loving others requires submission to God. Verses 10 through 14. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's huge. As I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I commanded of you. 640 times. We've talked about this a lot in the last couple weeks. The Bible talks about Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. And in our culture today, we put a huge emphasis on God being our Savior. He saves us from our sins. But we very quickly belittle the word Lord. Lord means king. It means ruler. It means the end all be all. What he says goes. Out of those 640 times, do you know how often the Bible refers to Jesus as our Savior? 24. How many is Lord? 616. So we have to understand that obedience to the Lord is huge. And his commandments aren't to stop us from having fun. See, we often look at the word of God and says, it says, hey, don't steal. Do we understand that God is telling us not to steal because it's actually for our good? Hey, life is better for you, Will, when you go into Walmart and you don't take things off the shelf and put them in your pocket. Because that could really screw up your life. I was a klepto in college, so I can speak from experience. It's better for you if you don't sleep with your neighbor's wife. It's better for you if you try, uh, press into the Holy Spirit so you can keep your mind pure. If you're not lying all the time. If you're not cheating. It's for your good. Because when we're doing those things, it stirs up all sorts of stuff. Enough if we're believers, it's called conviction. And we're constantly looking over our shoulders. You ever do something in secret and then all of a sudden walk out and there's people there and you think, they know. Yeah. They might not, but man, the Lord is pressing in the power of the Holy Spirit into you, saying, this isn't what's good for you. And so, submission looks like loving others. And that requires submission to God. We love others because he calls us to love others. So when you're fighting with your spouse, when you're, when you're upset about something at work, Sin is not justified or warranted. So he's saying love others through a submission to God. We can't pick and choose what we want to obey. And then it's dependence. Loving others depends fully on the power of God. Look at verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. 
you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask my Father in my name, he may give to you. That word abide over the course of verses 1 through 8 is talking about the vine and the branches. And what it's saying is, is if you are not abiding in the vine, in Jesus, that you cannot bear fruit. In fact, it says that you can do nothing apart from the vine. So I can tape fake fruit onto my tree. If I'm not seeing fruit in my life, it's very easy for me to mask myself up and act like I have it all together. And we have a tendency in our culture to do that. Instead of pressing into the Spirit, and instead of going to the Word of God and in prayer, what we do is we just act like we have it together. We just tape all this fake fruit on our tree and walk around like we got it all together, when inside we are a mess. That's why Jesus was continuing talking to the Pharisees, and he's like, the outside of the cup may appear clean, but the inside is dirty. He says, so clean the inside. How do we clean the inside? We depend fully in the power of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. So we abide, because apart from him we can do nothing. See, if we fail, to, we fail to love because we have quenched the Spirit in our lives. I love what John Piper says. I saw this this week. He says, the gospel is not a help-wanted sign. I think often we think we have to love others because God needs us to love others. But the gospel is not a help-wanted sign. It's a help-available sign. God wants to help you be the best husband you can be, the best father you can be, the best wife you can be, the best girlfriend or boyfriend you can be, the best worker you can be, but through his power. Because as you depend fully in him and abide fully in him, it is he who bears that fruit of love through you. The fruit of the Spirit is not the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is singular. You can't have love without joy, joy without peace, and peace without patience. You can't begin to separate these things and try to pick on them one at a time and work through them one at a time as if they're separate. No, it's kind of, an analogy I heard recently was, uh, was an orange, right? If you open up an orange, you peel an orange, it's an orange, but then there's all these slices of orange. The fruit of the Spirit is one, and the power of God wants to do that in you and through you. And so dependence on the Holy Spirit is huge in our attempt, if you will, our ability to, our invitation to love others. And then, the last observation is loving others is sacrifice. Loving others means laying down our wants, our needs, and our desires. Look at verse 13. Greater love has no one than this that someone may lay down his life for his friends. Jesus modeled this for us. Mark 10, 45. The Son of Man came not to serve, but to be served. So as we're living our lives, as we're going through every day, as we're living in relationship with one another, God is continually living out in front of us what it means to love one another, to lay down our lives. This is probably the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing about being in relationship with anybody is laying down yourself for their benefit. I love um, the analogy of uh, a Sherpa. Anybody know what a Sherpa is? Mount Everest, there are these people that live up in the mountains, and they're called Sherpas, and they will um, help people get up the mountain and and summit Mount Everest. They don't find um, their worth in how many times they summit to Mount Everest. 
It's all about how many people they help summit to Mount Everest. It's about others, not them. See, most of us in this room probably, I don't think anybody, has anybody climbed Mount Everest and went to the top? Matt would be the only one I could think could probably accomplish that. I mean, you train for years for that, um, to do that. But these people live up there, and they, they love others by helping others get up there. And when they're falling and they're hurting, they hold their backpacks. They walk with them. They sacrifice. I remember a story of one Sherpa who actually continually um, gave his oxygen over to another person because they couldn't breathe well and their oxygen ran out. That's what it looks like. It's a model of sacrifice to love one another. Husbands. Some of us, some men, I think culturally maybe, will sacrifice more for your dog or your coworker than you will for your wife and your kids. I think a tendency in our culture could be to just, as a man, you work all day and then you come home and you think all of a sudden that you deserve to bark orders and kick your feet up and turn the TV on and be served for the rest of the evening. But that's not what the Bible calls us to, men. I love what uh, one pastor called it. He said, be a dad of the second shift. Be a dad of the second shift. That means you go to work, maybe that's shift number one, but when you come home, be a dad of the second shift, knowing that when you're coming in, you're coming in to love your family well and to serve your family well, no matter how tired you are. That's why when Jesus is speaking to men, he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Men, die to yourself. Sacrifice. That's what life looks like and that's what love looks like. I think when we look at wives, I think if you're constantly complaining to your husband and speaking over him and belittling him and barking orders at him, he is going to struggle to give you affection. It's called the crazy cycle. That's why the Bible uses um, the terms uh, love your wife and then honor your husbands. When husbands, when wives are withholding their honor, their respect for their husbands. It's very difficult for men to love. But husbands, when we're withholding our love, it's very hard for women to honor, respect. That's why the word of God uses such specific language and specific words. It's called this crazy cycle. You ever caught yourself in that, married people? Where everybody's withholding the one thing that God called them to do? And so sacrifice. So instead of fighting the other person to do the dishes, why don't you be the one to fight to do the dishes? Instead of fighting to, to wait, you know, ha- having an argument and waiting for the other person to come say they're sorry, why don't you fight to be the one to break the fight? We're fighting for the wrong things. That's what sacrifice looks like in loving one another. You have a friend that's hurt you? Be the one to go and apologize even if you don't think you did anything wrong. Be the one to go serve People that, maybe your neighbor, the crazy HOA uh, president, right, that, that just tagged you for not having your roof pressure washed like once a month. What about if you go and help take their garbage cans in? It's sacrifice. But that only comes out of dependence fully in Jesus. And the world will know our love and how we love one another. So here's our invitation and this is our response. We're going to go live this out. 
And so we have an opportunity to show our community as a whole what love looks like. And so we have a great relationship with Cypress Lake Middle School, which is right across the street. Cypress Lake Middle School called us up and said, over the course of the summer, um, our kids really struggle to have food in their homes. There's around 50% of their population at um, Cypress Middle that live below the poverty line of their students. And the school provides breakfast and lunch for these kids. So they come in from their buses, they eat breakfast, and then they go through class, and then they eat lunch, and then they go home. And over the summer, they don't have that. Even though there's food available at the school, a lot of those kids can't even get the food every day to go, to go um, get transportation to go get the food at the schools. And so what the school decided to do is they said, let's do a food drive to try to gather as much non-perishable food items and hygiene products as we can so that we can give these kids boxes of food when they come in or home with them when they go home for the summer. And their first phone call was to us. Go around the rest of the United States. I don't know many public schools that are reaching out to churches to help them. And we get the opportunity to be the church and to show love even to people we don't even know. I love that's why in Matthew 25 when we're talking about the final judgment and and God is separating those that are believers and non-believers. And he said to the believers, he said, "Um, you clothed me. You gave me food. You gave me drink. And they were like, when did we do that? And he said, whatever you did for the least of these, you did unto me. So we get the opportunity, even though we may not know these students, even though we may not even get the credit for doing this food drive, we get to show love in a tangible way because we truly do love those kids and we want them to know Jesus. We want them to know there is hope beyond hope beyond hope in the person of Jesus who's loved them, every man, woman, and child, who's loved them so much that he gave up his life so that they may know him and have a relationship with him. We get to live this out tangibly right now. This is what we're going to do. We're going to end our service right now. Normally we go back into some music and do some announcements and all that stuff. We're just going to cut it right here. We're going to invite you to join us. We're going to go over to Winn-Dixie. So we've been partnering with Winn-Dixie um, for the past week. They've had a collection, a huge collection bin out, and they've almost filled that collection bin just from people that have been in and out of the store for Cypress Lake Middle School. So what we're going to do is we're going to grab our kids. Don't leave them here. Um, grab our kids, and we're going to head over there together, and there's going to be uh, flyers and different things that uh, you can, and the store is set up for us. So Winn-Dixie, if you come out the parking lot, I would not go out this first exit, but I would actually go out the second exit over by Redeemer and make a left and go all the way down Cypress Lake. Right before you hit 41, you have Costco on the right, which nobody wants to turn into that parking lot. Um, and then you turn left at that light instead, um, and you, on the north side of the street on Cypress Lake, it's a Bell's Plaza. There's a Winn-Dixie in there. We're going to go in there, and we're going to represent the gospel by filling up this food pantry for the whole summer. Sound good? Yeah. I'm excited about this. And so um, we're going to grab our kids. We're going to all head over there together right now, um, and we're going to really enjoy going throughout that store and, and backing up their, their uh, checkout lines. Um, and, uh, and this is an opportunity for us to share the gospel. We also have a bunch of shirts um, that are FMCC shirts. If you want, grab one. You can put it on or not. Just wear it whenever. Um, but these are on the table on the way out. This is just a way for us to represent the gospel um, as we're in the store because people may ask what's going on. Um, this is an opportunity for the, us to not just share about our church, Share about the gospel. 
Share about Jesus. It's not about the name of FMCC. It's about the name of Jesus Christ. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so we want to proclaim his goodness, his name, to every man, woman, and child. And just an encouragement, there may be people there that go there intentionally on a Sunday at 11 a.m. because there's no lines. And so if you look around here, try to get a pulse of who's here. Uh, if you go over there and there's someone there that, you know, is kind of frustrated by the lines, let them go in front of you. Be the gospel to them. Um, because they're probably there intentionally, so there's nobody there. And now we're going to flood them with like 100 people. All right? So love them well. Take the opportunity to share Jesus. And let's have fun. Let's go and have fun for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Can I pray for us? Jesus, right now, I pray that we would have the opportunity to share your good news with every man, every woman, every child that we come in contact with. God, this is a continuation of our worship. As we go and we leave this place, um, we, we get to share your good news. And so God, give us those opportunities. God, prepare the hearts of the people at the checkout lines. Prepare the hearts uh, as, uh, for the store managers. Prepare the hearts for, for everybody that's going to be uh, over there so that they may know you and that you may reveal yourself to them for your glory, for your name. God, thank you for Cypress Lake Middle School. We thank you for the teachers there, the administration there, for Sheridan, God. God, we lift them up. God, they have such a hard task of loving these kids and serving these kids. So God, I pray that we would be the type of church that would empower them to live out what it means to love others well. So God, thank you for them. God, let them finish this school year strong. I know at this point of the year, things can get pretty exhausting. So let them live it out well, celebrate well the end of the year, and set these students up to succeed all summer. Um, so we love you. God, for all the families that will receive all this food, we pray for them. Pray that you would bless them, that you would reveal your love and your mercy and your grace to them so that they may know your love and that that love will set them free, God. We lift up all of this in your name. Amen.